and welcome back to Tell Me What Happened, the podcast that features real people talking about real issues that they confronted in their childhoods. I'm your host, Jay Rehack, and like you, I've suffered some trauma in my childhood, but I like to think that everything that I experienced has helped to make me who I am today, and hopefully a little bit more empathetic than I otherwise would be. Tell Me What Happened is sponsored by Sidelining Publishing, publishers of quality books, including Susan Salador's I've Got Peace in My Fingers, available worldwide wherever quality books are sold. Today I have as my guest a good friend of mine, a man who emigrated from Cuba at a very young age, my good friend Orlando Piedra. Orlando, go ahead and tell us your story. The story starts in Cuba. I was born in Cuba. Uh, I came to the United States in 1961. Uh, things were different at that time landing in Miami than uh, they are right now. My goodness, that was so long ago, almost 60 years ago. However, I came here when I was 10 years old. We landed in Miami in January of 1961. Fidel Castro came up to power on January the 1st, 1959. So to a 9-year-old, 10-year-old, it wasn't a big deal until my parents came to me and said, take some things, take some clothes and put them in a bag so that we can go on this trip together. I had no idea. I was living comfortably, uh, playing, uh, doing the normal things that a 10-year-old would do. And all of a sudden, we are at an airport and we are taking an airplane to Miami. I didn't know how long we were going to stay there. We ended up staying forever. <laughs> we left everything that I had known to be part of my world behind the house that we lived in, the school that I went to, the things that I had, the toys that I had. My father's automobile was a 1963 or 1962 uh, Mercedes Petroleum. It was one of the first there. However, they took it away from him. He got, he, my dad, got arrested because he happens to have, or he happened to have had, the same first and last name, not the middle name, first and last name of a well-known enforcer for the Batista regime, who was the regime that Castro was fighting against. And bodies would literally turn up in the streets of the city, dropped off at night, uh, clandestinely, uh, and someone, his name was Orlando Rafael Piedra Negueruela, someone with my dad's first and second name was the person that was doing a lot of this killing. In any event, my dad got pinched, he got arrested, he figured this is going on. We just, he decided to leave because he didn't see any future in having the same last name as someone that is well known for having killed people in the Castro regime, if you see what I mean. My mom, um, my mom was a school principal. She wasn't allowed to go out of the country after Castro came up. He came up in 59, and two years later, they weren't giving papers out to people that were as educated as my mom was. Even though she didn't speak English, but she, I guess that's why I went into the business. Going back to my dad, once they took that car, once they took that, he, he knew we had people at the house. 
that were strangers to me. And then in time, I found out that the guys with the gray suits and the skinny lapel and the skinny black ties carrying guns that were coming into the house, they were just there to talk to my parents. But then I, find out, I found out what they were there for, scoping out my dad. So my parents decided to leave. They told me to pack some things. We end up in Hialeah, Florida for about a month. My dad's not making any money, but we come to Chicago, pretty cold, 60, 62 was cold. And my dad gets a job doing something with cars. I don't know, but he used to come home filthy. He was a businessman. He wore suits <laughs> and now he's coming home with this stuff in his face. So after about a month of, of this trauma in, in Hialeah, Florida, the most habited Cuban population now in the United States, uh, uh, we had an opportunity to come to Chicago. To make a long story short, finally, we ended up in Chicago in 1962, off of the airplane, cold weather. My mom and dad did not speak English. I had to translate for everything we did. After we were able to stay with this family for a couple of weeks, we had to rent a house, uh, not rent a house, but an apartment at the time. And uh, uh, I had to do the leasing, translating, and the grocery. And uh, it was part of the new thing because when I was back in Cuba, my parents didn't need me for that kind of thing. Uh, they were doing their, they were in their, their careers. But now the dynamics of the family really changed and I guess it was to my benefit because we became dependent on one another. My mom, working in a school, handling four or five hundred kids, whatever it was at the time, and now she's here not being able to speak English and went to work at a watch factory, uh, a Seiko watch factory. I, I remember she was able to get me some nice Christmas presents once, uh, once she was working there. She worked there her entire life, her life here while she was in Chicago. Anyway, my dad. My dad had the same last name as this killer for the Batista regime. My dad was arrested a couple of times. Uh, uh, we had people in the house that were, uh, I guess, police at the time. Uh, I didn't know who they were. 11 years old, I didn't know who in the world they were. Coming into the house, uh, my parents, oh, they're just here to talk to your dad, this and that. I. I guess my dad didn't see any future staying in Cuba, so we left thinking eventually when Castro is uh, dethroned, uh, we'll be able to go back. With that hope, it's been like almost 60 years. Uh, I wish I could go back, but things in our, in our current political theme have changed. In any event, uh, what else can I tell you about this story? The thing that this story has taught me is that as an 11-year-old, I felt like I had everything that I would ever need. I had no cares, similar to my son who has uh, autism, no care at all for anything, no idea what was happening around me. All of a sudden, pack a bag, month later, you're in Chicago, and it doesn't look like you're going back. So my parents always taught me that Education was the way out. I shared this with my daughter. I wish I could with my son. 
uh, but he doesn't understand. He will not understand that because of his developmental disability. But the one thing that we had was comfort in Cuba. We had money. We had a nice house, not a small house, not an estate, but a very comfortable life with people caring for us. And I went to a private place with, where you had to wear your little tie and, and uh, I would stay at the school for nine months out of the year, come home for the holidays. My parents had to pay for that, I guess now, one way or another uh, at the time. But what I learned is that all that stuff in, from one day to the other was gone. We were living at a place that had roaches, which is uh, a new bug that I was introduced to. We don't have those kinds of things in Cuba. <laughs> Other kinds of bugs, but not those. Uh, uh, without money, without clothing, without family, uh, we were here. And the one thing they taught me is that the only way you can get through, luckily I spoke English, the only way you can get through was if you get educated. And it wasn't easy for me. We didn't have Google in 1962. <laughs> we didn't have Google in 1972 or 76 when I finally graduated from college. I was able to make it because they put into their minds, into my mind, that the school, the education was the thing that was going to pull me out and the thing that they could not take away. So to make a long story short, what I've learned as a young person and I carry and I try to teach my daughter uh, the same is that material things like money, homes, clothing, material things can be taken away from you easily from one day to the next. But what they cannot take away from you is your education, what you've learned in school, what you learned uh, uh, in life, what uh, uh, something I learned from a band, a rock band by the name of Pink Floyd. But they have a line on an album that's called Dark Side of the Moon. I think it's still the top bestseller in the world. But the line reads, all that you touch and all that you see is all your life will ever be. And I am very, very grateful to, to have been able to follow that thinking and, and that philosophy and uh, I inculcate this in my daughter who's 35 years old and uh, uh, she understands that, I hope, uh, and uh, I hope you guys, uh, whoever listens to this, uh, will uh, get some help from this too. Well, thank you, Orlando, for those insights. I can't imagine how difficult it must be to emigrate to another country, especially as a young person. Well, that's our show. I want to thank everyone for listening, and I also want to invite anyone who'd like to participate to text me at 312-343-6273 and tell me their story, because we all have them, we've all endured them, and we can all learn from them. Now we're going to end the show as we always do with Susan Salador's classic, Boo Boo Blues. I'm Jay Rehack, and until next time, as always, stay safe out there and try not to hurt anybody. I've had some boo-boos, baby I've had the boo-boo blues Yeah, I've had some boo-boos, honey 
Fix it for you. 